Hariyom. I am going to speak on chapter 13 today. The chapter 13, the name of the chapter is Kshetra Kshetradnya Yoga. But look, it is a continuation of chapter 9, 10, 11 and 12. Now what has happened in chapter 10? Shri Krishna is telling Arjuna about the objects in the cosmos, objects in the human society. Objects in the mother nature, they all belong to the Paramatma, the cosmic dimension. Then all these objects, he brought them together in chapter 11 and he showed Arjuna an integrated cosmic form of all of these objects. And this cosmic form was very scary, very intense for Arjuna. So he got scared because there was death. There was no time. The whole space was occupied. Everything was contained within that cosmic body and it was not very kind and human touch to that form. So naturally Arjuna got scared and he requested Shri Krishna that Shri Krishna should come back to his human form where Arjuna can connect easily, where Arjuna can feel the love of Shri Krishna for him. And that's why chapter 12 Shri Krishna brought in the human dimension connected with the cosmic and Shri Krishna gave the list of virtues, gunas that are in human beings which represent the higher consciousness. Although Shri Krishna showed him a very mild and a loving and kind form of the divine of God in chapter 12, Shri Krishna is not ready to just let Arjuna walk away with this mild understanding. And that's why in chapter 13, what Shri Krishna does is very interesting. He is talking about this human body that Arjuna is attached to still. And then he is trying to evaluate this human body, what is inside. In chapter 7, we talked about Aparaprakriti and Paraprakriti, the manifested principle manifested cosmos, which is made up of five elements, earth, water, fire, air and space. Ashtadha Prakriti plus ego plus mind plus intellect. So this Ashtadha Prakriti, Shri Krishna is again evaluating it in more details. He is given more principles. And these are the principles that make our body. They are exactly the same that he is shown in the chap in the form of cosmic form of 11th chapter. So now Shri Krishna is saying that the body that you have, that you feel very comfortable with, is actually nothing but the replica of the cosmic form. Now if you look into your body, what is your body made up of? Your body is, ma your body is made up of elements. Your body is made up of water. The water is made up of hydrogen and oxygen. These are the basic elements. Your body is made up of carbon. Your body is made up of iron. Your body, you know, when iron goes down, we go and take iron pills. When the calcium goes down, we go and take calcium pills. Magnesium, zinc, these are all the elements that we take as supplements. Potassium, oh, salt level, mineral 
level going down. Oh, let's take some sodium, potassium. What are these? These are basic elements that have made our body. Now, where are these elements made? Can you make it on earth? The elements are not made on earth. They are basic elements. They are made in the supernova explosions of stars. When a star dies, it starts collapsing under its own gravity. So a huge star like sun or hundred times bigger than sun or million times bigger than sun, when these stars, stars, they finish their hydrogen, they start collapsing under their own gravity. And when they start collapsing, the whole material starts compressing in and during that process of compression, different elements are formed. Carbon is formed, oxygen is formed, then heavier elements are formed. Even gold and silver and platinum and all of these elements are formed in the stars. Now my body has all these elements. Where are, where are these elements coming from? They are coming from different supernova explosions in different parts of the universe. Maybe the iron in my right arm is from some star which died in some distant galaxy. The, the iron in the left arm probably comes from another different supernova explosion. There is a tiny bit of gold in our body. There is a tiny bit of copper in our body. All of these elements which are formed in this extreme supernova explosions. What is this extreme form of energy? So they in my body represent that cosmic explosions. Inside my body, it's not very kind. If there's a bacteria inside the body, the body just no sense all these white blood cells. There's continuous violence in your body. Don't think, oh, you are very calm, relax. So your body is also, there's nothing happening. Well, if nothing happens, you'll be a dead person within a few minutes. Super explosive mechanisms in the body, billions of neurons, billions of cells, billions of molecules, they are all working in your body. There's continuous energy movements, there's fire in your body. So your body is nothing but a copy of this cosmic form that Sri Krishna showed in chapter 11. But this body is all interconnected to Kshetradnya. Kshetra is body and Kshetradnya is that Atma, that divine consciousness or as per the Sankhya philosophy, because in chapter 13, Sri Krishna has talked about Sankhya philosophy, Purusha and Prakriti. Purusha is that pure consciousness and Prakriti is this body or manifested nature. So there is this divine dimension inside us which connects all of these different parts of the body and functions of the body. And Sri Krishna says to know the relationship between this Atma or Purusha and Prakriti or the body or the Kshetra is a complete wisdom. And the one who knows that is self-realized. 
Because once he knows who is this divine Purusha or Atma, he is connected with the cosmic. The moment he knows the dimension of his body, he is again connected with the outside. So in chapter 7, we saw the definition, Jnana and Vidyana together is Self-Realization. Jnana is the knowledge of the Self and Vidyana is the knowledge of the Cosmos. Again, Shri Krishna is saying this in a little different way. Again, the question comes, okay, you have this knowledge of the body and the owner of the body. What happens? Shri Krishna says that the virtues manifest. Because this understanding, this wisdom changes the way you act, the way you feel, the way you think, the way you express your emotions, the way your karmas are, the way your reactions are. Everything is transformed because of this knowledge. What happens? First virtue. Again, these virtues are similar to the virtues in chapter 12. Slightly in different tones he has expressed it. The first, he says, the one who has no pride. Once, one means the one who is very humble. The one who has no ego. The one who follows ahimsa. Ahimsa, non-violence. But what is this idea of non-violence? Idea of non-violence is respecting the other life like you respect your life. So this mutual respect that comes with understanding of the connection of yourself with the every living being, that is non-violence. It's a little different tinge of non-violence. Then Kshama Shilata, the one who is forgiving, we have talked about it. Then Rujuta is another new word he's used, new virtue he's given. Rujuta is the one who is very clean in his mind. This cleanliness of the mind brings that purity, like there is a water reservoir. And if there is no dirt and no currents in the water, the water stabilizes. And then you can see the bottom of that water reservoir, or you can see the depth. That is exactly how the mind of a yogi looks like. It's so deep, it's so pure, it's so clean. So if you look, you can see that depth. At the same time, you can see your own reflection. Then, the one who respects wisdom and knowledge, the knowledge of the cosmos, the knowledge of Everything. The one who processes all this information with respect and who respects the people who have that knowledge. It's a very important virtue that when we gain something new, we are humble. Because if we are humble, if we are respecting, then we learn more. Because that time we are more open. If I am closed because of my ego, then I will learn much less. The one who is very stable, then the one who is very restrained. I explained this restraint, Sanyam, in chapter 12 again. 
So this Sanyam is the control, it's not the expression or suppression. Like I have my tongue. My tongue can only tell me the taste of the chocolate. Sanyam, the restraint says, how much to eat, my tongue has no authority to tell me. This is restraint. What to see or what I see, what I see, what it is, my eyes can tell. But what I should see, my eyes cannot dictate. Oh, I want this beautiful thing here. Okay, if that thing is beautiful or not, that your eyes can tell you. But what to see, your eyes can't dictate. That's why people say always, oh, I only want to see this. Oh, I only want to see this. Oh, I only want to watch everything on iPhone 10. No other phone. Mm. This is a problem. The next is Vairagya. Now, Vairagya is, again, I have explained it, non-attachment. Vairagya, it's a very important word. Patanjali has used it. Bhagavad Gita, Shri Krishna has used it. Abhyasa and Vairagya. So, Vairagya is that non-attachment. It's like the actor who is acting in a movie. When he acts in a movie, he is non-attached. Because he knows it's just acting. So, though he may cry there, He's actually not affected by that story because it's just a story for him. Vairagya is exactly like that. The one who lives in his life, walks in his life, forms relationships as actor, non-attached. You are there, but you know that's not you. You are in reality the cosmic dimension, Atma. So this is Vairagya. Then nirahankarita, egoless state. Another interesting thing he's mentioned here in chapter 13 is, he says the one who is aware of the birth, the death, the old age and sicknesses. He is wise. We, we all know that there is death, but we all think that it's not for me. It will never come to me. That's how I think about it. The old age is there, but it will never come to me because someday, someone from the medical field will find out some wonder drug that will make me live forever. This is what I think. Next, the one who has no attachments with the family, the one who has no attachment with his house, with his money, with his whatever is achieved, the one who has balanced state of mind, gain or loss, is balanced. The one who always thinks about the Paramatma, the one principle, the divine principle, always, everywhere, all actions, all thoughts, even breath, he is always thinking about this one principle. So he is experiencing this oneness in every action. So, Sri Krishna has given him the qualities again, which are very similar to the qualities that he is given in chapter 12. Now, he is again explaining the qualities of Paramatma. Look, you have to say these two, see these two things 
again in context with chapter 11 and 12. Shri Krishna is again trying to convince Arjuna that the extreme form that you had seen actually manifest in a softer way also. See, we really can't understand this cosmic form. We just heard it. I just described that there's fire everywhere and there is this destruction everywhere in that cosmic form and everything is getting destroyed and everything is being born. Now this is intense because it is shaking my mind to the foundation of it. My mind is founded on the conditionings. My mind is founded on the knowledge that I have received since my childhood. I have been taught 1 plus 1 is equal to 2. This is child childhood. This is adulthood. This is my chocolate. This is my, my, my money. This is my little house. Now everything. Now these are my relationships. These are my beloved people. Now if everything is suddenly shown as completely destroyed, anyone will be scared. So Sri Krishna understands that Arjuna's mind must have had some terrible experience because his foundations and his conditionings and his learnings of life have suddenly vanished in that cosmic form. So he needs to make him more calm and relaxed. That's probably why he's telling qualities of Paramatma again in a softer way. He says Paramatma is like Amrit, immortality, the nectar of immortality. If you drink Amrut in yoga, that's the concept of highest joy, happiness. So he says Paramatma is that highest happiness. He says, Paramatma is that eternal truth. You are searching for truth. What is truth? Only the truth is Paramatma. When I am looking at the sun, I see sun as only this big. Probably this big. Probably this big. Is it truth or not truth? I see it. That's my truth. But in reality, if you go close, it's so huge, so big. Sun is so big, we know it. So what is the truth? The only truth is Paramatma. It's everywhere and it's omnipresent. It's infinite. It's inside the living being and outside the living being. He says Ati Sukshma, it's very, very, very small. This is interesting because he's shown Paramatma's form as the infinite one. And now he's saying it's very, very, very small. Understand this. Just Big Bang theory concept that everything is contained within a very, 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 very small particle which is infinitely dense and infinitely hot. We don't know the size of that particle, but it's very small. This is what he's saying. Paramatma is very small. And the whole cosmic form which is full of energy, pure energy, very scary, is contained within that small particle, the Big Bang. It's beyond intellect. It's difficult to understand and grasp, grasp with the intellect because intellect is based on your sensory organs. What you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you touch, what you smell, what you taste, forms your intellectual ideas. So, Paramatma, the divine dimension, cannot be understood with the sensory organs or with your intellect. 
Shri Krishna says that Paramatma is very close, but it's very far at the same time. It's pure light. Paramatma, this divine dimension, is the goal of life. But the path that you walk is also Paramatma. What you achieve is also a form of that same. Then Shri Krishna says that this Purusha and Prakriti, he goes to the both. This Purusha is the consciousness and Prakriti is the dimension of the body, the nature that has made this body. He says they are Anadi, they, they exist eternally. The body, the sensory organs and the structure of the body is all form of this Prakriti. The Purusha is contained within, the consciousness is contained within this Prakriti. And this Prakriti is influenced by three Gunas, the Sattva, Raja and Tama. We will talk about it in next few chapters. There is one full chapter devoted to Sattva, Raja and Tama Guna. So he says these Gunas bind Purusha into this body. The consciousness is contained within this Prakriti, the body, because of these Gunas. And because of these Gunas, we are experiencing the cycle of birth and death and again birth and death and in between karmas. Birth, karmas, death and because of the karmas, again birth, again because of this birth, there are karmas. So it's a cycle and which, what binds us? It's this Gunas that bind that consciousness inside. But look, this Purusha, this consciousness is the one who is controlling everything inside your body. The one who brings you the eye awareness is the consciousness. Everything in your body, you act as one. You say, my hands, my legs, my heart, my brain, my muscles, my mind, my thinking, my emotions. Who is this me? It's that Purusha. I am experiencing this Purusha every moment. But I am not trying to understand its complete nature. I think it's limited to my body. But Arjuna, hey Arjun, Sri Krishna is telling him that this Purusha is actually a form of the divine. So right now when you are thinking about yourself, you can understand it as part of divine being, yourself as part of divine being. And this Purusha, this consciousness is everything. It's complete in itself, is nourishing your body, is giving inspiration to your karmas, it's giving direction to your intellect, it's creating these emotions, it's everything, it's responsible. Then he says the one, the yogi is the one who understands the principles of this Purusha and Prakriti. He is the wise man or a wise woman who understands this relationship between this consciousness and the nature. You can achieve it by practice of yoga, practice of meditation, practice of Ashtanga yoga, practice of Hatha yoga, practice of Bhakti yoga. But it is also achieved by practice of Karma yoga. It is also achieved by 
studying the work of wise people by studying the relationships in mother nature by understanding with your own intelligence and if nothing is there even when you just listen to it listen to these principles read these principles it will still bring this wisdom to you now he's given many different paths and he says they are all leading to one i just want to sh completely shift your attention to something that happens in our society look around what is education in our society what are we learning we learning physics what is physics physics is trying to find the absolute laws of universe divine dimension parmatma you are trying to find the origin of the universe the direction of the universe which is again parmatma they are trying to understand big bang and big crunch what is the other subjects chemistry mathematics they are all supporting this journey we are all trying to find the absolute things let's talk about medical science what is medical science trying to find out medical medical science is trying to make everyone happy healthy live longer especially healthy and live longer that is the dimension of immortality which is again parmatma look at the arts and music that we have in our life that is to bring that happiness we try and find happiness in all these dimensions what is that happiness it's the dimension of parmatma the philosophies the ideologies that people have in our world any ideology take it socialism communism this that whatever is the ideology what are they trying to do there is a concept of equality somewhere there is a concept of happiness somewhere there is a concept of making yourself making your life uh, complete in a way there is a sense of connection these days there's lots of uh, activists who are working and fighting for the mother nature again you can see the same dimension so even if you look around in the world everywhere whatever efforts we are doing as human beings they have some dimension of parmatma connected with it and that's why these virtues of parmatma or sorry not virtues qualities of parmatma the qualities of the nature they are very important for us the final ending point of this chapter 13 shri krishna says that the person who tries to understand all of this wisdom tries to make himself free from this prakriti the purusha the consciousness trying to free itself from the prakriti the nature and the gunas that bind us to the birth and life cycle is the one who will reach moksha will reach the dimension of parmatma he says the one who will come and meet me so the effort of our life is to free ourselves from the influence of these gunas and prakriti so that the consciousness can experience its true form that is the parmatma i'm going to stop here with chapter 13 hari om